Hello, I'm Rod Butler. Welcome to Let God Speak. The letter that Paul wrote to the Hebrews was intended to inspire and encourage the Hebrew readers with their faith in Jesus while they were experiencing persecution. Paul characterised the work of Jesus for us as brotherly love. Thus, believers should do for one another what Jesus has done for us. As we close our study on the book of Hebrews, we are going to look at Paul's concluding remarks in chapter 13 and the important applications for us today. So have your Bible ready as we let God speak through his word. On our panel today, we have John Cosmire and Adrian Craig. Welcome, gents. Thank you. Before we start our discussion, let's bow our head for prayer. Gracious Father, we thank you for the book of Hebrews and its description of Jesus in the heavenly sanctuary. As we open the Bible now and discuss chapter 13, we ask for the Holy Spirit to give us wisdom and insight. We ask too for your blessing on our viewers. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Hebrews chapter 13 starts with a very short verse, only four words, let brotherly love continue. So with that short, what do we understand that to mean with brotherly love, Adrian? Well, the, interesting, the uh, root to this particular word is a very common uh, Hebrew, uh, Greek word for love. And uh, Paul is saying here that uh, the brotherly love that exists between members of a family is what ought to be in the church family, the larger family. And I guess we've got many examples of this sort of affection, compassion, care. In scripture, I think particularly of David and Jonathan. Uh, Jonathan was the heir apparent, but uh, David was to take his place, but they had a very, very close bond. And also, um, I think of uh, uh, Jacob and uh, Rachel. Uh, the text says when he had to work seven years for Rachel, the seven years were but a day because of the affection that he had for him, mm. for her. So, um, Well, chapter 13 continues with some examples of brotherly love. If I just read Hebrews 13 and verse 2, it says, Be not forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. What's the background to that particular text, uh, John? It, it goes back to Genesis chapter 18, where Abraham was one day sitting in the shade and he saw these three people coming along and he invited them in for uh, something to eat. And suddenly he discovered that he was actually entertaining not only strangers, but Jesus Christ himself. And they were on their way to Sodom and Gomorrah to talk to, uh, to, uh, to Lot. And, and here, Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. And so we are called upon to be hospitable and to be happy about it. And I think Abraham was very happy that he had exhibited hospitality and that he hadn't been grumbling. 
Yeah, it was a principle of his life. It wasn't just a feeling. He, uh, he was principally hospitable, wasn't he, as a person? And even to this day, the, uh, the Jews and the Arabs are very hospitable, even to strangers. Yes. Yeah. Yes, and uh, we also have in Genesis uh, 19, 1 and 2, we have Abraham's nephew, Lot, also was uh, very hospitable. What was that all about, Adrian? Well, I think probably firstly we ought to just know that he learned from Abraham. And you may remember when it was came to the division of the land, who was to go where, Abraham was the one that should have had the first choice, but he gave the choice to Lot. So Lot had certainly learned from Abraham. And according to the text in Genesis 19, 1 and 2, it says, Two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. And when he saw them, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face towards the ground. So he was showing hospitality to strangers. Yeah, he was principally concerned about their safety, wasn't he? He was, yes. The text goes on to say that. Well, Hebrews 13 continues with examples. And... Um I'll read verse 3, Hebrews 13, verse 3. says, Remember them that are in bonds, as bound with them, and them which suffer adversity, as being yourselves also in the body. Now, staying with you, Adrian, this seems to take hospitality and brotherly love to a new level. What's this all about? Well, this is uh, encouraging us to remember those who are in a very unfortunate situation in prison and to be show hospitality and care and compassion to them, not only praying for them, but also uh, attending to their physical and uh, their particular personal needs while they're in prison. Yes, and uh, there can be an element of shame associating with uh, some of these uh, people in prison, can't there? Yes, that's true. We're to put that aside, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, what do you think, John? What are your thoughts on that? Well, Hebrews 11, verse 24 to 25, and I'm reading from the New King James Version. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He had been adopted into the royal family of Egypt. But when he discovered that his people were actually in slavery. The good book says in verse 25, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. And so here in the Old Testament, we find that a person even like Moses, he joined himself to his afflicted people in order to be willing to suffer with them and to experience what they were having. And today we need to do the same. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting to think about Moses in that example because he would have been quite a privileged man in Pharaoh's court, you know, the elite of society, and he now wants to associate with the outcasts of society, the slaves. It's quite a, quite a step down. Staying. And he's also reminding the Hebrews to whom he was writing that they too had suffered a persecution and affliction and they ought to be sympathetic to people who are in the same situation because they understood about it, according to Hebrews 10, where the 10 verses 32 to 34. Yeah, thank you for that point. Good point. Thanks, uh, Adrian. And just staying with this thought um, with Moses. Now, Moses was a type of Christ. 
Um, John, how can we apply what Moses did to what Christ has done for us? Is there a connection there? Absolutely. Hebrews, the book that we're studying for as a book for the last time uh, this week, in Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 2, right at the beginning of the book, it says here in verse 11, for both he who sanctifies and those who are being sanctified, that's us, are all of one, for which reason he is not ashamed to, be, to call them brethren, saying, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will pray, sing praise to you. And so Jesus has totally associated himself with us. And we're not even sanctified. We're in the process of being sanctified. And here Jesus very much becomes part of us as mm. a brother. Mm, very powerful. Thank you for that, John. Mm. So look, when we go through Hebrews uh, 13 and verses 1 to 3, um, yes, Paul wrote this, but this is also written for us today. So what should be our guiding principle here, uh, Adrian? Uh, maybe it's good for us to go back to the words of Jesus, Hebrews chapter, uh, not Hebrews, Matthew chapter 12. I'll get this right in a minute. Matthew chapter 7, <laughs> verse 12, where Jesus very clearly said, what you would want other people to do to you, you do to them. The so golden rule. The golden rule, yeah. yeah. And the golden rule is not here as the gold rules. <laughs> The golden rule is do unto others what you would want them to do to you. Yeah, that's exactly right. And we also have something in Philippians, don't we? Yes. Philippians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. Paul, the same author, writes, Let each one of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. And then he connects it with Jesus. And he said, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And so Christ associated himself with us who need help. We too can associate with others who are needful of our help. Yes, indeed, indeed. When we get on to um, the next set of verses, verse four to six, I just want to read those. Uh, this is Hebrew, Hebrews 13, verse four to six. He's, Paul seems to change, uh, change gears here. Marriage is honourable in all and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do. Um, now, it's interesting when I go through those and look at the word covetousness, the Cambridge Dictionary, I'll just read this, has a definition of covetousness. And it says to want to have something very much, especially something that belongs to someone else. Now, Paul has zeroed in on covetousness. Why has he done this? Why is covetousness so, so dangerous, John? I never understood covetousness. I didn't know what the word meant. Great long word and sort of. But as a kid, we used to go shopping on Saturday night when all the shops were shut and we would go and stand and look in the windows and, and here we'd see the Lamborghinis and all these other things and, oh, you know. <laughs> when I got to New Guinea, 
I learnt the word for covetousness in pidgin English is look strong. That's Long very, very appropriate. You are looking strong at something because you want it. You know, you've <laughs> got to have it. And this is where here is the one law that deals with our thinking. Our covetousness, and interesting enough, covetousness is the root of all evil. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, it's the one thing. The, the Ten Commandments, we have nine of them deal with behavioural things, don't they? But, but one of them deals with our thoughts, which is very, very important. Now, Adrian, why do you think Paul is specifically zeroing in on the danger of coveting immorality and, and possessions? I think these things are a demonstration of the fact that there's a lack of brotherly love. And if we tie in with what John had just said about um, our thoughts, uh, Jesus indicated uh, that uh, to look after, to look to on the woman and to lust after you've already sinned in, in your mind. So uh, the reference here to marriage and keeping the marriage bed pure, etc., being being sexually uh, correct. Um, Paul's highlighting the fact that, um, yeah, it's what you see. Right. And what about um, possessions? Do you have any comment on that, John? First Timothy chapter 6 and verse 10. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And I'm reading from the New King James Version here. Mm -hmm. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. And, and so here, Paul, in another book, makes it very plain that covetousness, the love of money, it, out of it flows our greed and, and our relationships with people um, is totally spoiled because of the behaviour that comes as a result of that kind of thinking. So, so, John, staying with that thought, um, today when we have uh, our, our secular world and materialism, how important is that to heed that advice? The wisest fool that ever lived was also the wisest man that ever lived. <laughs> and he wrote in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence, if only Solomon had done that for himself. Mm. But he's telling us there's good advice. Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it springs the issues of life. And so the way we think is determining the way in which we behave. And we need to guard that very, very diligently. And I guess uh, Rod Solomon certainly had a good example, didn't he? He had the example of his own dad. Yes. And he, he fell from the roof initially by looking where he should not have been looking. So we go back to the thoughts and the mind, which was the beginning of, the, uh, of corruption and sin. Rod, we're, we're totally surrounded by all kinds of evil. We see it on the billboards. We see it on television. We hear it on radio. And, and this is where that message is very, very applicable to today. The greater the evil becomes in the world, the more that we need to be very diligent 
about what we allow to go in here mm. through the eyes and it will change us because by beholding we become changed. Mm. And so that advice of Solomon applies very much to us today. And, and we could add the advice of the lady who wrote to the church who said, guard well the avenues, avenues of, of the soul. soul. Yes. And it's interesting today that the more people focus on things, the more empty they become mm. in their life, mm. yeah. which is uh, taking away from God. Interesting what you what we talked about in, when we were making up these notes, it says we are the products of our thoughts. And that can be determined by what our thoughts are about the products that the world is trying to give to us. Well, it, it says here just a couple of phrases. It says in verse five, um, and this is the antidote. Be content with such things as you have. It says that in verse 5. And in verse 6 it says, The Lord is my helper. So Adrian, what other advice would Paul give to guard against covetousness? Well, if you go back to 1 Corinthians 12, uh, he's reminding us that we've all been given particular gifts and they're enunciated there in, in 1 Corinthians 12, teaching, prophecy, apostleship. When you come to the end of chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians verse 31, it says, covered earnestly. I'm quoting from the old King James, quoted earnestly. I think it's the new King James says, uh, earnestly desire. Now the word, the word that's translated there in the, in, the, in the old King James is not the regular word that's used for covered, but it can be taken either way. Covered earnestly the best gift or cover the wrong things. So he's saying, you've got all these gifts, but these gifts must be, be utilised and, and to the glory of God, motivated by love. So the more excellent way that he's going to explain is in the next chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. Which is the great chapter on love. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, going back to Hebrews 13, we go now from verse 7 down. Now, verse 7 down, there's a number of topics here, but it talks in verse 7, it talks about um, remember them which have rule over you. It talks about also in verse 17, it talks about to obey them that have rule over you. And it talks about submitting to our leaders. Um, John, what leaders is Paul referring to in these verses? Verse 7, remember those who rule over you who have spoken the word of God to you. So here are men and women that have come to us and have spoken to us the word of God. And so they're really the spiritual leaders, our church leaders. And then when you go to verse 17, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy, not with grief, for that would be unprofitable to you. Now, in the margin where it says obey, it actually uses the word lead. And so here we find that we do well to remember the spiritual leaders of the past who have spoken the word of God to us. 
We know the message they preached and we also see the outcome of their lives. We remember and honour them best by adding to what they did. And this would also refer to those people in Hebrews chapter 11. God gives us an example there of how these people, men and women, were leaders at their time and that they are the uh, pictorial of leadership. And it would do us very well to respect those leaders and to assist them in the work that they do. Mm. John, just staying with that, um, staying with you, John, to answer this one, um, should we follow our leaders only if we agree with them? <laughs> My short answer to that is um, yes. Because if, if you work unwillingly, I mean, it, it's, it's not going to produce any real happy results, really. Um, but we still need to respect them and their office and the work that they do even if we don't agree with the style and manner in, in which that is done. And sometimes we may not even like to do what they would like to, uh, to have us do. But remember that the best thing that we can do is to assist them in their work, in the office that they do, and in the function of their office. Yeah, look... Um it's interesting today, there seems to be, regarding church leaders, there seems to be an aversion in recent times to, uh, to ignore church leaders. Adrian, why do you think that in some cultures uh, people ignore the authority of the church leaders? Well, I think we're, we're victims of the society in which we live and we, we could very quickly say in assessing the current situation that the dissent is in the very air in which we breathe and so this rubs off on the church because we we're not abstracted from society and so what's happening out there impacts the church and so we can debate things back and forth and the agendas and ideas of the world can become the agendas and ideas of the church mm. so we're, we're, we've got to make sure that well, in the words of Paul, we don't allow the world to squeeze us into its mould. Mm. John, how important do you think it is for, for leaders to have people that are compliant or use that word submissive? Adrian and I have been leaders that have had to carry responsibilities for people. And we have also been leaders that have had leaders to which we were also accountable. And when church members willingly do the work that needs to be done, they become our assistants and, and our friends and our helpers rather than a servant-master relationship. And... If that isn't done, a leader's work can become very difficult and, and it doesn't become a joy to anyone. And as a result, if we willingly 
are supportive of the policies and the procedures and assist them cheerfully. What a difference it makes Mm. to the work, both within the church and also as secular employees as well. Mm. Amen. Well, when we go through uh, Hebrews 13, from verse 9, he talks about the danger of false doctrine. But before we get to verse 9, there's verse 8. Adrian, why is it important that verse 8's in this pot? Well, the verse 8 actually says Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. So the truth doesn't change. And uh, the gospel that uh, Jesus proclaims and the gospel that he put into place is that on which we must uh, have our foundation be established on that. Okay, well, it's very important. If I read verse 9, it says, Be not carried about with diverse and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats which have not profited them that have been occupied therein. Now, some claim this is all about food. What's the background of this text, John? Hebrews 13, from verse 10 on, we have an altar from which those who serve the tabernacle have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burnt outside the camp. Here, these verses are actually talking about when the red heifer was sacrificed and nobody could eat from that, not even, not even the priests. And so when we come to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 10, we find here that by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And this is where it was Christ's sacrifice that was sufficient. We don't need to have anything added to it. Yeah, so that's not referring to what we can occur, unclean, unclean meat. No. That's a different scenario. Different scenario altogether. John, just staying with you, what's a good indication that our, a congregation has, is letting brotherly love work in action? What's a good indication that um, our congregations have healthy brotherly love? I've, I've got a list here of, of things that we could very easily do. Uh, if people don't turn up for church, just ring them up and find out if they, if they need help. Uh, be courteous in our speech, be friendly and hospitable, invite a, other people home for a meal and so on. What a blessing it would be. Just keeping in touch with people. Mm. Well, that's a good, good point to end on. So thank you, uh, John. Thank you, Adrian. The book of Hebrews highlights that Jesus is the fulfillment of the sanctuary services. And as Jesus is the perfect and complete sacrifice for all our sins, he now ministers in the sanctuary in heaven as our great high priest. We're in the last days and Jesus will soon return. So let us follow the advice of Paul and let brotherly love continue. Our troubled world needs such love. By doing so, we'll be a great witness to others of the love that Christ has for all of us. If you do not know Jesus, we encourage you to read about his life in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. Thank you for looking. Thank you for joining us on Let God Speak. Remember, all past programs plus teachers notes are available on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. Email us if you wish on LGS at 3abnaustralia.org.au. 
www.ministries.org.au. Join us again next time and God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.